We're good? Yep. We're live? We are. All right. Um, I'll let you uh, do all this introductory today and put up so we're on well, the right. I didn't have the introductory part written down. Okay. Well, <laughs> welcome to the Weight Loss Coach Podcast. Uh, this is episode 12. That's right. I think we're on number 12. We're starting to rack them up. And uh, again, we appreciate everyone that continues to share our podcast. And, um, you know, I was talking to a client this morning and she said, I love the podcast. Although you coached me on a lot of that stuff, I need to hear it over and over again. And uh, if someone does say they've heard that before, I always ask them, oh, did you get that done the first time? So, um, you know, not that we're repetitive, but if you've coached with us before, you have heard some of this, some of it not, but it's always good to continue to pump that subconscious full of this information so it actually sticks. So. And you talk about uh, weight loss with addiction. If you're going through recovery or anything with alcohol or drugs, like AA, you're working the steps. You're always working the steps. There's never yeah. a point that you stop working those steps. So that's the same with this. There's never a point where you don't need to hear it. You don't need to be reminded of the steps. Well, the same client actually said, she used those words, she <laughs> said, um, they had alcoholics in their family, mm -hmm. and she said, this is my AA. These are my meetings yep. uh, amongst meeting with us. Yeah. But she said, that is like AA where I come once a week. I listen to the podcast because it is, she used those words exactly. Nice. So, well done. All right. So we're doing something a little bit different today. I thought it'd be fun to do a little Q&A um, so that we can find out a little bit about Travis and how the program uh, morphed from bodybuilding and what you used to do to prep for shows into women's weight loss because those are two completely different things yep. and um, just seeing how all of it meshes together. Um, so first, uh, tell us a little bit about how you figured out health and fitness um, was your thing, was your passion. Um, I remember specifically uh, being in sixth grade, um, uh, I had been wrestling all my life, which is an individual sport. And uh, in sixth grade, um, you know, I was always the skinny kid. Uh, and needed to build up some strength. I, I won matches off of pure technique, mm -hmm. but I was always struggling in the strength area. So I remember actually uh, for Christmas asking for a uh, weight set from Walmart. Uh, they used to load up things with sand uh, and the plates now are made out of metal. And I started weightlifting in my bedroom. And um, I started uh, getting into that and got real addicted to it. started studying it and I immediately shifted into very fascinated with how the body and nutrition work because I wanted to put on size. Mm -hmm. And I knew just logically I couldn't lift weights, so I'm gonna get big. So I became obsessed with that, was reading everything I get my hands on. Uh, moving forward, I uh, continued to wrestle, uh, which again is individual sport. Once that was done, uh, later on in you know your high school years, I had already become uh, really diligent about weightlifting. And as soon as that was over, I needed something else, but I liked it, the individualism, and because it depended on me. Mm -hmm. And I knew I'd show up. Mm -hmm. And so I actually was in a, a gym, and a guy came up, and he's like, hey, man, you're a hard worker, and you could compete so easily. And I'm like, in bodybuilding? And so I kind of just used the, the wrestler mentality at the time of dieting, because I didn't really have a plan, and um, went into my first show. It was a Mr. Oklahoma Teenage Division. And I went in amongst, I think there were 30 people on stage at that time. I was having a blast. I was ripped and everything, but I'd been that way for wrestling. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't anything new. And I wind up winning the whole show, the overall, 
and every best body part. I mean, I walked out of there completely loaded, and from that day on, it was like I was addicted, and I went on to win four more Mr. Ultimate titles and light heavyweight and heavyweight division and uh, did another 60, 80 bodybuilding shows. I actually had my pro card in the natural division uh, back in 2004, and um, actually had to pursue the pro division because uh, Sydney came along. So I decided to be a dad. So how did you shift from that to women's weight loss? So throughout that period of time I just went over, I was traveling throughout the country. Uh, you name it, I've competed in that state. And uh, when I was in town, I would always pay a fee to go into local gyms. Mm -hmm. Every gym I went into, and at this time, you know, I really didn't, you know, know what I was doing as far as career-wise. I knew I was, you know, kind of training some people, probably going to do that. But I always watched the overweight people, always trying to figure out the machines and their reading and they're looking. You can tell they're very intimidated. Right. And then I saw 13, 20 trainers that worked there. Mm -hmm. I, and I used to call them the beautiful people, not because of their faces. I mean, they were good looking, but they were always in shape. Mm -hmm. And I watched them standing around talking to the other beautiful people who were already in shape. And beautiful meaning their bodies. They were. And so I looked over and I thought, that's what they do for a living, but they're not there. And then some of them were doing nothing. Right. And I remember approaching uh, after several times of seeing this trend all over the United States. I went in and said, hey, these people over here, particularly these women, could use your help. I mean, and I'm sure they pay you for your services. I mean, we all pay for uh, what we're not good at. Right. And um, they said, they're too far gone. And that it's too much work. And I heard that. Not, I heard it the first time and thought, whatever. I heard that forever throughout my career. I traveled. And so then it became a, a, a funny thing for me to do to test the waters. I'm like, hey, those ladies over there, they, they walked in with Gucci purses. I'm assuming they, you know, not that you have to have money, but right. they, they obviously could, could afford you. Right. Again, too hard, too far gone. They never do what you say. They didn't want to put in the effort. Right. So I started having a connection emotionally, standing by them on the cardio while I'm getting ready for my bodybuilding show. And I started having conversations with them. I'm like, hey, how come you don't go tell them? Mm -hmm. And they said, well, we do. And they said they're booked all the time. So it was going both ways. Right, right. They were saying they weren't going to help because they're too far gone. Mm -hmm. I said, well, why don't you all approach them? They go, well, we do. They said they're booked. And then you look over there and they're standing around. Right. So you have a division and you have people that need the help and are willing to pay for the help. You got the people over here who are just lazy. And hey, I'll, I'll say this. Now that I'm older, they didn't have the knowledge actually to help people that were truly overweight. Oh, sure. They weren't dietary therapists, which right. I am. And they had not studied on how to actually work with females mm -hmm. or connect with them. They'd rather take a person that walked in, looked halfway decent, and then, hey, I'll train you. And right. It became a sad thing. Right. So I saw that, and I started developing relationships. And um, I, I started shifting into, this is what I want to do. When I get done with my career, or whatever that is, I want to go in and help women particularly that are overweight. I help men too. Mm -hmm. But women are emotionally tied and really have a concern, shall I say, or a desire to be better. Right. So they actually are more passionate. If you take 10 women and or let's say you say nine women and one man, nine out of 10 of them will all say, I want to, I want to lose weight mm -hmm. I, and I'll do what it takes and I'll work hard. Men will too, but they're not as concerned. Sure. And if you look at households, you talk to men, right? That's why the mm -hmm. dad bought things so funny. No, I mean, I got a bad body, you know, and, right. and a lot of them just aren't cool with that. Yeah. They want to work out. Some of them get an itch when they turn 50 or whatever, but women, 
from their 30s to their 60s, which is kind of our target, are always like, hey. They that pre-baby pre body. Well, and, and you know, they're just always on a mission to lose weight. Sure. And I just feel like they've done so much out there that's failed them. They're still looking. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's where my passion kicked in. And I am, you, you said a funny thing, I get asked all the time, how did you became, how did you get, so the word famous with working with women. Yeah. Because you're not a woman. Right. Why aren't you training men? Right. And just from your appearance, it doesn't look like you would connect very well. Hear that all the time, too. It's like, you look like you're not exactly, you know, the female, whatever. I would probably say a lot of it, too, comes from I was raised by three women. I didn't have a dad. So I had three women raising me. Mm -hmm. So automatically, I kind of in that realm. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm just guessing here that it led into me actually paying attention to these women in these gyms who were not getting help or not being treated or willing to pay to get some good service. And I probably got a little bit of that going behind me too. Gotcha. So. I like it. Um, so walk me through um, how you took your knowledge and the ability to create meal plans and diets for the bodybuilding realm and switch it to women's weight loss. Yeah. You know, forever I, I self-created my own stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was never the, you know, if you really, bodybuilding is kind of a weird world, but if you study it, and if you're just out on the outside, you think the biggest guy is going to win. Right. And that's not true. The most conditioned guy that's balanced, everything balanced, lean, mm -hmm. the aesthetics, it's art. Right. I tell people all the time, bodybuilding and weight training is art. Mm -hmm. I've always looked at it like a canvas and you're painting, and true bodybuilders, there's very few of us like me do look at his art, mm -hmm. not as in meathead, like, oh, get it on. And right. I never was the growler, yeller. I always had the, the logic and the, the intelligence on how I was training. Uh -huh. And nothing wrong with the other side, but real truth. So with that being said, you know, sleeping patterns, I studied in records to recuperation, training, but training smart, mm -hmm. in control, good form, uh, not seeing how who's the strongest, um, you know, Grocery shopping is a big part. Mm -hmm. Knowing how to grocery shop. I used to have grocery shopping tours because people don't want to grocery shop. Right. And um, so then you got to have times that you want to, you know, be eating, kind of spacing them out. So, and the basis is there's really not a time. The three and a half hour thing is kind of a gauge, but it has to work in your life. But the main thing, the reason behind that is you want your metabolism staying steady throughout the day. So it's releasing fat in your bloodstream. So when you exercise, you do burn the fat. See, there's a science there. People think, uh, if somebody says, oh, I eat three and a half hours, every three and a half hours, I always, I go, why do you do that? Well, yeah, that's just what my trainer told me to do. Right. I don't know, why are you doing mm -hmm. it? And they're like, well, that's just because what you do. I kind of make people mad because I, I like that they're doing it, but if you know why you're doing it, like our clients, they know why they're doing it. And when you know, oh, this is speed metabolism, that makes you like, oh, I want to really do it this. Connects. You actually want, want to, to do it. Yeah. yeah. And if you know why there's a time that you go grocery shopping and how to view it as actually something you look forward to, not, oh, I'm going to grocery shop mm -hmm. and sleeping times. Why? Why do you want to have a consistent sleeping pattern? So I took my own stuff and I said, that got me down to four to six percent body fat. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't those pillars, as I now call them, mm -hmm. work on the overweight lady? Yeah. And I said, but I need to work with them one on one so we can start adjusting their lifestyle. You can't write down those pillars as simple as they may sound and say, here work this, mm -hmm. they look at that like, 
there's no magic here. Right. But that's where the magic is. Exactly. They do. They look at that like, okay, he wants me to eat. He wants me to grocery shop. He wants me to food prep. Mm -hmm. He wants me to sleep. Yeah, same stuff I heard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But do you really understand why you need to do that? So that's why our 10-week coaching program is so popular is we have to get people to find a way through self-discovery how to make that work into their lives. So, yes, I transferred. Uh, sometimes I talk to my clients and I'll say, look, I'm no different than you. You know, sometimes... Um, I, I get off track, I miss one of my times I'm having my shake or whatever, mm -hmm. and I have to go, okay, what's next? Move on to the next, don't try to double up. Right. And so I try to connect with my clients and let them know, and a lot of them will tell you, they, they love it because uh, what's the saying? I practice what I preach. Yeah. I couldn't actually, me being authentic, uh, I, I, I've never been known, I've been told in my life sometimes, excuse my language, try to get a kiss on the ass. Right. And that's my mom. <laughs> I can't do it. Right. I'm just authentically who I am. I try, and it just comes off as fake. It's just like, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean I have to be mean, but I'm just I am who I am. So what am I saying? I could not authentically coach a lady and not be doing it. Right. I couldn't be telling her, you do this, and then behind closed doors, I'm like, well, I'm doing the, this stuff. Right. I, I have to connect. So this, this, this program, what you walk your clients through, is exactly how you live your life. 100%. Okay. 100%. I can tell you now, uh, you know, I tell my clients, pick a day and stick to the time and day you go grocery shopping. So you start connecting as this is a self-care, self-love time that's for me to go get my food. As simple as that sounds, when you connect to it. So my point is, every Friday, 5 p.m., that's my time. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I love it because I'm there getting the things that are going to help me to lose weight or keep my weight down or feel better or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you got to go deeper than just, well, yeah, you got to grocery shop and food prep. We know that. Yeah, it's because you don't understand the perspective of how you need to understand what you're doing. Right, right. Awesome. Um, so now I have a little power round. Power round? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so we talk a lot about food on here. Um, what's your favorite snack? My favorite snack? Uh, uh, you, you're, you're talking about on the daily? Sure. Or metabolism boost mode? Both. Okay. If I had to pick a snack, I probably would say my favorite one is taking uh, my protein, uh, one scoop, uh, putting it into a little cup and putting a tablespoon or a teaspoon of peanut butter, uh, almond butter in there, mixing it up with water, and, and it's pudding to me. Got it. And I mean, it's a chocolate fix and it tastes amazing. Um, so yeah, that's my go-to. And then your go-to on a metabolizing boosting meal. Oh, 100% donuts. Uh, yeah. And a metabolizing boosting meal, for those of you watching, you, you probably have called it a cheat day. The most stupid word I've ever heard used for something that was created back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like we, Bill Phillips, we were all friends back in the day, and he wrote Body of Life. Uh, we just weren't smart enough to write a book about it. And I'm feeling like he probably used that word to make people have fun and call it a cheat day. Right. But if I'm working with a client, I tell her to not use that word anymore mm -hmm. because psychologically, you're programming yourself that you're doing something wrong. Right. And if you're like been given a green light, that hey, this is a metabolizing boosting meal. It's going to speed metabolism because when I make out an eating plan, being the dietary therapist, I've got the blood sugar stabilized, metabolism rock rolling. When I give it a shot every mm -hmm. ten days, well, if they go, well, I'm having my cheat day, you're going to do it, but you're always like a little bit like I feel guilty about this. Right. Well, yeah, you call it cheating mm -hmm. on your food, and mm -hmm. so you already have a struggle with food. Why are you using that word? Uh, so, but mine, one hundred percent donuts. And um, if you ask me what donut shop, I uh, toured them all. <laughs> Yo, donuts just opened, and I've been touring mm -hmm. them lately. Um, Hertz, um, 
I and dunk it. I've done them all. I love them. Seven Eleven. Seven Eleven. If I, yeah, if I'm just like I don't have time, I'll I'll go default to the Seven Eleven two day old donut. It's still donut. Um, what would your last meal be? My last meal every night. No, like your last meal. <coughs> you know. Before I die. Yeah. If I have my last meal, what would it be? Last meal. I'm gonna have to go down the Mexican route. I I, I am, okay. and um, I'm not a big. Uh, I don't have a certain place, but I, I don't like uh, the ones that are the heavy Mexican foods. Mm -hmm. But sour cream enchiladas, okay. I would do three of those. I would do uh, rice, and then I'd have three chicken tacos with extra sour cream on them. And then the cheese sauce and some picante and a big thing of chips there and some flour tortillas. So, leave me be. All right. Um, when was the last time you did a burpee? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot remember, and um, I have no desire to do one. At 57, it's like, can I do it? Yeah, do I want to do it? No. Yeah, that, pop, that popped into my head today yeah. while we were doing yeah. I, I just, I mean, used to, they were cool. We, I've used them, and when I used to train people, they were kind of implemented there, and so now, you know, with my uh, coaching program, that, when I'm actually doing it, it's like, yeah, because that means I have to demonstrate right? it. Yeah. Um, and then the last one. Um, we always talk to our clients and ask our clients at the end of each week, what was your biggest struggle? So out of your pillars and what we coach through, which one of your pillars is your biggest struggle? My biggest struggle out of my pillars, probably I would say, I'm, I'm going to the workout part and it's not, I, I, yeah. I, I, I never not go work out. That's not what it is. I, I get up, but I will tell you, I'll go through uh, lulls, which everyone does, but when you're you're aching and your joints from just getting a little older, mm -hmm. uh, you know it, it's kind of um, it's kind of upsetting to me that although I'm taking care of myself, I'm doing everything, I didn't cause it's just kind of getting older. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes it's like when you're in there, you know, you, and you're working out, you kind of find yourself having to back off a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so there's times where it crosses my mind, it's like, man, you know, maybe I need to take a few days off. Well, that's me telling myself if I do that. That means I'm going to go extra hard the next day. Right. There's my war lately. Mm -hmm. It's probably my struggle is, but I don't take the days off. I still do what I coach my clients on three days a week. Mm -hmm. I go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, do my thing. Uh, I stick to it. I don't wear from it. I go, but I am having uh, the last few years, it's been kind of like, maybe I need to be going every other day or something like that. But I, you know, I go at it hard uh, for, I mean, I think it's hard. Nothing like I did in my twenties, but I could say too, well, why don't you back off that a little bit. Well, mm -hmm. they're not back off. I'm not doing that. I'm, right. I'm Travis Carson. I don't back off anything. So, you know, that, that's kind of been my struggle. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you for answering my question. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff there. It's kind of fun. And um, hope that uh, all of you listening out there, you know, if uh, this stuff resonates with you, um, me and Amanda, we are in a position right now where we are taking on, probably I'd say, if I'm not speaking for you. I'll agree to two. Two, I'll agree to two new coaching clients. Uh, we both have our regular coaching clients. We're really in good places. Uh, if you'd like to get on a discovery call, they're 10 minutes. That's what they are. It's just to find out about you, what's going on, where you're at, and if we can ever help you or not. And I promise you, we can't help everybody, and there's different circumstances, but if you'd like to get on a discovery call, um, email me at travis at travisgarza.com. And if you say, hey, I'd like to talk with Travis, or if you're like, I want a female, Amanda's amazing, I get that too. Some females just want to work with Amanda. does not hurt my fingers, I get it. Uh, but email us, and if you are listening and you're one of our clients, 
if you know someone uh, that you know you can talk to and say, hey, you know, you ought to go talk to Travis. We'll take that on too. But we're looking for two each. Uh, other than that, have an amazing Thanksgiving. Keep your portions in check so that the day after Thanksgiving, you're not having a remorse of overeating, which is the biggest psychological factor you want to stay away from. So, love you guys, and we'll talk to you next week. See you.